Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to In the Psychologist's Chair with host Dr. Raymond Hamden. Our program will feature global guests joining Dr. Hamden for a psychological interview. And through their experiences, you will explore the human depth of understanding their purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Raymond Hamden. Today, we welcome Ian Fairservice in the psychologist's chair. From the United Kingdom, he came to Dubai in January 1978 when he was only 21 years old. He founded a company called Motivate Publishing in 1979 with the launch of What's On, the region's first English-language magazine. Together with his partner, Obeid Hamed Atayr, who is now the UAE Minister of State for Finance, he has seen the company develop into one of the most successful media houses in the region. Publishing a wide range of award-winning magazines and books, Motivate has a staff of more than 200 based in Dubai, Abu Dhabi and London. Ian, welcome and thank you for being in the psychologist's chair. Thank you very much. You're 21 years old. How did you find the Middle East and especially a country that was brand new called the United Arab Emirates? I had graduated in hotel management and I was working in a hotel in the UK. Um, and in fact, one of the chaps that I was studying with or had studied with I saw an advertisement in the uh, Daily Telegraph one day for a new hotel opening in Dubai and I had been showing a great deal of interest in moving to the Middle East a part of the world that I'd always been keen to visit and so he phoned me up and he said you mentioned the Middle East well there's a new ho hotel opening in Dubai why don't you have a look and maybe you'd be interested and that's how it happened. What was the professional company that was opening up a hotel here? Which it was, was the Excelsior Hotel in Deira, and now it's the Deira Sheraton. But in 1978, it opened as the, uh, as the Excelsior. A lot of people from Europe as well as the Americas came around that time to the United Arab Emirates. So you were preceded by a few, not by many. Most had come at that time. A lot more has come since then. But what was it like living in Dubai at that time? Well, it was fun. Um, there were far less uh, Western expats here. Uh, I believe there were about 7,000 um, when I arrived. Um, but it was a great community. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. There was, it was a completely different place. I, I always uh, think that the UAE has reinvented itself every five years. 
So having been here for 33 years, I'm, I'm about halfway through my seventh version of Dubai and the United Arab Emirates. Being interested in hotel management, the hospitality industry at a younger age, and coming here primarily for that business, when was it that you decided you wanted to be a writer? I was always keen on writing. I've written um, e even before I before I studied hotel management. Um, the hotel management side of it was the sort of more practical side of what I wanted to do uh, with my career. I had shown interest in journalism, um, but my family came from a sort of staunch uh, hotel and catering background, and they always thought that you know if you had a job in the uh, hotel industry, you'd never starve. You'd always have somewhere to live. It was a safe option. So, so I, I sort of followed their advice, and I went into hotel management. I worked uh, in, in in hotels in England uh, before I came here. Um, but I don't know. I, I I had this opportunity. There was so there was so um, so many different opportunities that existed in the late seventies here. I saw other people doing things that they didn't come here to do originally. Mm -hmm. And I felt that I could do the same. And because my interest stemmed in writing and in journalism, and because there were no magazines, when I arrived, there was no newspapers, no magazines. There was radio was in its infancy. There was only a very little television. So there might be just a few programs on every day, but not even every day. What was entertainment at the time? Um, we had a fantastic nightclub at the hotel that uh, I was running. Um, with a, a whole lineup of international acts every night, so, but I wasn't. That wasn't the only one. There were plenty of other hotels, such as the Intercontinental Hotel, which had a great disco, uh, and in Sharjah, Sharjah was the centre of nightlife in the seventies. All the really big nightclubs were all in Sharjah. There was a strip for a small airplane group of people that were private airplanes, or was that commercial in Sharjah? I think it's where the blue suit happens to be now. You remember that? You remember that strip uh, that was landing planes. There was, a, there was an air. There was an airstrip uh, right in the middle of Sharjah, but that uh, that dated back from the Second World War, and the RAF used to land in Sharjah before it was even a United Arab Emirates. Well, before it was the United Arab Emirates, and in fact, that's where the slogan which Sharjah adopted for their tourism that they launched in the seventies, they launched a, a slogan which was "Smile, you're in Sharjah," and the reason that they used this was because when the RAF um, pilots had been on a sortie and then they would fly back into Sharjah, um, they had made an arrangement at the beginning of the runway um, with rocks and it said, smile, you're in Sharjah. <laughs> so that was, the, that was the welcome home to the flyers when they came in. And that was adopted later on as the, as the tourism uh, message. From the Deira area of Dubai, which is the inside area, it's not on the coastline, but it's right on the inside area. What was, oh no, actually Deira is the coastline, isn't it? Deira is just is on the creek. Yeah, it's right on the creek. So it's between the creek and the coast. There was only about 10 kilometers to Sharjah. What was the roadway like at that time? It was a two-way street. It wasn't a, it wasn't a dual carriageway. Was it dirt or was it asphalt? No, it was uh, it was asphalt, but it was very basic. The same as the road to Abu Dhabi. The road to Abu Dhabi was two-way traffic. Let's look at the difference between where you were living in the UK and then where you decided to live at the age of 21. Where were you in the UK? I was I was the assistant manager of the Grand Hotel at Eastbourne, which was a wonderful five-star hotel, one of the only one of only ten five-star hotels outside London in the UK. Um, and I had been at the hotel for over a year. I'd been recruited there as assistant manager. 
and I lived in a beautiful Muse apartment, which was part of um, part of the property, the extended property of the hotel. So about two minutes from the beach. Um, but so it was a very nice setup. We were very well looked after as management in a five-star hotel. But was it, um, was it a cultural shock for you to come to the United Arab Emirates when it was mostly a desert area? Well, I certainly didn't miss the cold winds from uh, <laughs> from Eastbourne. Some people do acclimate very quickly to heat or cold. How about you? Yeah, I had no problem. Um, in fact, as, as a child working in, in my time when I was 12, 13, doing newspaper rounds as I, as I did, um, I used to dream when as I was slugging through the rain and the snow and the sleet delivering newspapers, I used to dream of one day living in a hot climate. And that was also part of, the, part of the, what was in the back of my mind when I started to get interested in the Arab world and Arabia. Um, was, was that, that through your writings, your readings? What, reading. What got you interested here? Reading. I used to read, um, whether it was books about uh, comics as well. As I was, when I was younger, I would read comics uh, about the Foreign Legion, you know, Bojest, mm -hmm. all that sort of thing. Of course. Um, later on, became a little bit more sophisticated. My, my interest in, 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 the, uh, in Arabia developed um, through uh, T. Lawrence, why um, some of my uh, great uncles were in the Africa Corps during the war, so they talked about the Middle East. And one of them, um, when he died, he left me his original copy of um, Lawrence's um, Seven Pillars of Wisdom, which is still one of my most uh, treasured possessions. Of course, so, it would be. So having you know, so again, Lawrence of Arabia, Bojest, that whole. That, that whole thing, I, I really got interested in the Middle East. It's a, it's a very traditional English thing, you know, that uh, you got a lot of, uh, a lot of, of, um, uh, of Englishmen over that have grown up with a great interest in the Arab world and have come out, people like Thesiger, and wanted to explore Arabia. As the author of this magnificent company called Motivate Publishing, you've actually had dignitaries who have written several things that you've published. And one of them was, if you would uh, be so kind to remind me, you had um, a general, Sir Peter de la Bille. Yeah, General Sir Peter de la Bille. He was the he was the British commander of the British of the British forces during the um, Gulf Wars, the two Gulf Wars, and he was the second in command overall to um, um, to General Schwarzkopf. So when he when he was uh, when he was finished out here with the two Gulf Wars. He then wrote his memoirs, which we published. They were published by HarperCollins in the UK, and we had the rights for both uh, his first um, memoir, which was Storm Command, and the second one called Looking for Trouble, and we published them for the Middle East and for America. And since then, you've had now more than 250 titles. Yeah, we've. in fact, this year we're celebrating the 25th anniversary of our book publishing, we have around 250 books in print, but we have published over 300 books in the last 25 years by such luminaries as Sir Peter de la Billier, um, Lord Litchfield, the cousin of the Queen of England, whose photographic books we published, Sir Wilfred Thesiger, with whom we published 12 books, Ronald Codray. And, and, and there's also the royal photographer. Nur Ali Rashid. We've done nine books with mm. him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so there are a lot of... Uh, a lot of international and regional photographers and authors who we've written uh, who we who we've published books with and then we've we've done a great deal of children's books as well we've published with Walt Disney 
uh, we've done the Arabic editions of all of their classic Walt Disney stories. Quite impressive. You also started off in the early 90s with Emirates Woman. Um, in fact, no, we start Emirates Woman has just uh, celebrated its 30th anniversary a couple of years ago. We started Emirates Woman... Oh, it's, it must be the 30th, 30th anniversary this year. We started Emirates 81. in 81, yeah, 81. 1979 was What's On magazine, the region's first magazine. Mm-hmm. Emirates Woman was 81. That was the second magazine to be published in the region. And it was bi-monthly. When it started, it was bi-monthly, yeah. And um, in the early 90s, it became monthly. Then it became monthly. You've had very interesting editors for that. You had Faye Thompson and several other people. That's right. From the region who, some of them are even back in London. Now you've got an entire staff back in London as well. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, the, 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 the past editors of Emirates Woman and indeed editors of many of our other um, publications have, have gone on to um, work for many international titles beyond, beyond here. How much is your staff numbered in London? The high, the high point in London was 16, but that was, that was uh, before we could really centralise everything on the uh, uh, internet. So it's not necessary for us now to have a, um, a, a, a sizable staff in the, in the UK because uh, with the advent of the internet and electronic communications, um, we don't need staff there collecting advertisements, for example. It's all done electronically. Ian Fairservice in the psychologist chair. We're going to be back in just a few minutes to talk more about him, his personality, how he got into writing publications after quite a sophisticated family history in the hotel industry and the hospitality industry. We'll be back in just a few minutes. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden, and you are in the psychologist chair with Ian Fairservice today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv Join classical homeopath Piper Martin to discover an entirely new way to experience pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Educate yourself and connect with the possibilities of new choices and opportunities for you and your baby. Learn to use homeopathy to support yourself and your baby both physically and emotionally. We'll also discuss topics specific to all women, such as understanding and accepting our bodies, relating to other women, and how to expand out of your comfort zone and discover new and powerful concepts. Tune in to The Whole Woman, Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. <laughs> 
You are listening to In the Psychologist Chair with Dr. Raymond Hamden and his featured guests. We'd love to hear from you via email at info at inthepsychologistchair.info. That email address again is info at inthepsychologistchair.info. Now, back to Dr. Raymond Hamden. Golf business, what's on, Emirates woman, hello, business traveler, identity and stuff are some of Motivate's established consumer magazines. Motivate's contract publishing division produces publications which include three of Emirates Airlines as well as magazines for Dubai International Airport, Jameda Hotel Group, the Spinney's supermarket chain, Imar Properties, and the Saudi Arabian General Investment Authority. Motivate's book division was founded in 1986 and currently has more than 250 titles in print. And its author, its director, and the top man is in the psychologist's chair today. So, Ian Fairservice, from the hotel industry to publishing. Let's talk about you, your personality. What was it like growing up in the community? You were in the suburbs of London. Yes, I grew up in um, North London, in, um, in, first of all in a place called Muswell Hill, um, and then subsequently in, um, in Barnet, uh, which is a little outside, uh, a little outside central London, in the, to the north. It's not as popular yet because Julia Roberts hasn't done a movie there. No, not quite. But <laughs> that will happen, I'm sure. Maybe with you. Uh, what was his name? So when we are talking about you, though, in publications, you inherited this interest, I guess, in the hospitality market. But you seem to have a real love for writing. Yes. Um, I, in my family, my family had uh, uh, a background in hotels, and um, my my mother's fa- side of the family are, were Italian. They came across from Italy, um, and they all worked in hotels. They were um, my we had a restaurant manager at the Piccadilly, the Dorchester, uh, the, some of the top hotels in London. I had a Matron Hotel, one of my great uncles at the Savoy. So, um, so they they all came back. They all came from catering background, and my parents themselves had a small hotel uh, when we moved out of London. And my father went into semi-retirement. They bought a small hotel, and um, and and I lived there for a, two or three years before I went to hotel college myself to study hotel management. Let's look at your way of communicating. Do you find yourself to be an extrovert? Are you pretty much open and transparent in everything that you do and say with people? Or do you find yourself socially walking the walk and talking the talk? But how many people really know you, though? Do you let many people well, know Well, I imagine a lot secrets? more people are going to know me after this. Just 2.2 <laughs> million people who listen to this program and this now, network. I would say that I'm, I'm open and gregarious. And I think the two careers that I've had in my short life, the, very, you know, the, the hotel industry... Uh, is a, is an outgoing, gregarious type of business, and then going into publishing, again particularly involved with entertainment and leisure and the sort of hallow style of of publishing, it's quite a glamorous side. So again, I think it it kind of speaks to my to my uh, to my outgoing personality. Yeah, I think I'm an open person. Would you say that? Along with your outgoing personality where you're very transparent, people know what you're thinking and feeling, would you say that you're also the kind of person who likes to be the creative, imaginative kind of a man who tends to be that intuitive style within your personality? Or 
how do you manage an organization that is as large as Motivate Publishing when it comes to needing to deal with the details? Who handles that for you? Well, clearly, I have a strong and um, very dedicated team of managers who work with me. Um, you know, in particular, we have a very, uh, very, very experienced uh, senior group senior editor who looks after all of the uh, the editorial side of things for me. Uh, she has a very, very um, energetic and um, young, talented team of editors and designers. Um, on the other side of things, I have a general manager who looks after the sales and marketing. And you have a finance manager looking after that, distribution, HR. All of, all of the different areas of the business have general managers who are responsible for keeping them all going. I see my role as a facilitator. Yes, I see my role somewhat creatively. Um, but I I often liken it to, as far as what I have to do to keep things going, is, is really being a juggler and keeping the various balls in the air at the same time. Um, I say to my, to my own little team in the executive office, you know, we've got to keep all the balls in the air because we've got to facilitate everybody else being able to do their jobs. And if we drop one of the balls, then that means that somebody else is being delayed. So we, 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 know, we must always keep things moving and never become a bottleneck. That's, that's, uh, that's my team in, 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 the, in my own executive office. And I suppose my job is entrepreneurial and, to a certain extent, creative. It's a, a nice combination of the if two. If you have your preferences, which would you do? If somebody said to you, you can only do one or the other, you can only be creative or you have to deal with the facts and details, which oh, one would you I do? I would choose to be creative every time. And how many people do you need to handle the facts and the details for you then? Um, well, I don't know, perhaps a few more. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps, and some lawyers too. Being in the Middle East being one of the innovative people in publishing, one of the first publications, actually, throughout most of the region, but especially in Dubai and the United Arab Emirates, with a British tent to it. Did you ever have any concerns about what you were publishing? Was there any censoring problems that were going on that were different than what you were used to in Europe? We learned early on that um, there's a level of self-regulation that's required, and through experience and through interacting with the authorities, um, we're able to gauge where the line is being drawn currently because it's not always drawn in the same place. It's a little bit more like a pendulum that swings one way and swings back the other way. So you can't always be certain um, where that line is drawn in the sand, uh, and that comes with experience. I like your choice of words, drawn in the sand, the line. What about the, the censoring factor? Has you, have you ever been in a situation where you had to get on the phone 12 o'clock at night and say, stop the press? Uh, yes, yes, that's happened over the years. Um, we've, things have cropped up at the last minute. The very first issue of What's On, which was originally going to be launched in May 1979, uh, had to be delayed by an entire month after we started printing it because... Um, I think on the on the just a couple of days before the uh, end of April, <clears throat> there was an announcement that all the bars in Dubai would close. They would all, all the alcohol was being withdrawn, and the whole of Dubai was go, or the whole of the UAE was going dry. 
Was that because of a religious holiday at that no, time? No, it or wasn't a religious holiday. It, it was a political decision. It was a change of policy. So uh, I was at my home in charge when I heard this. It was announced. We had to get straight onto the press to say, stop, stop, stop. They said, well, we're already halfway through printing. We said, well, stop. Because we've got adverts for bars and we've got re- references to pub opening times and all this sort of thing. And this is all, all going to stop. So we had to we had to stop the publication. We had to redo it all. We had to take out all the references to alcohol, and then we came out a couple of weeks later, having re, having changed the date from May nineteen seventy nine to June nineteen seventy nine. One of the things that you've had an opportunity to do that a lot of people have, but your experience is going to be quite interesting for our listeners. You're British. You're living in the United Arab Emirates, and your partner happens to be a local person, an Emirati, quite educated. He happens to be the Minister of Finance at this time. What was it like working with that gentleman from the very beginning, the mindset, the differences in attitude? What was it like for our listeners to understand how people from two different parts of the world can actually have a meeting of the minds? Well, there was never a problem with communicating with... um obeyed he was introduced to me because we had um, common auditors in uh, you know we shared the same auditing firm and I was advised by the Ministry of Information at the time that I really needed to get a UAE national as a partner I'd already launched the magazine the first magazine and they said that you really need to get a UAE national um, on side with you to, to work with you so through the uh, you know through my auditors we were I was introduced to Obeid al was a relatively young man. He was only in his mid-twenties at the time when I met him. Just a few years older than you. Just when a you couple first of years, here, yeah. two or three years older than me at the time. Um, and he had uh, he'd graduated from an American university. He was incredibly well-educated, had an engineering degree. Um, and, and he was already launching his own businesses as a young man. He had, was opening uh, some uh, f- fashion outlets uh, some other successful church stores for children's clothes and, and what have you. He was he was getting involved in construction. He was getting involved in all sorts of different things, engineering as a, as a, an engineer himself. So when I met him and we talked about my um, uh, ambitions and aspirations for for developing the the publishing um, business, it was something that he was very interested in. He's also a very creative person. So it was something that he was interested in. We were able to communicate on a very, you know, on a very clear basis with each other, and um, yeah, we've been partners for over thirty years. The relationship that you've had has been quite influenced by the fact that he is Western educated as well, and this is what we're finding: a lot of people in the Middle East who are educated in the West awaken a lot of us from the West to realize that people from the Middle East are intelligent people with the same human needs. And they have different talents. And your partner happens to have quite an interesting talent in writing and a lot of the publishing to educate the community through various sources of publications, whether it's newspapers or magazines. Now, what we're going to do when we come back is I'd like to talk more about your publications and where Motivate Publishing is going. How is it that you're going to be educating the West very significantly about a modern-day Arab world. And nobody better than you, Ian Fairservice, in the psychologist chair with your Motivate Publishing 
to talk to us on that particular level. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden. We're going to be back in just a few minutes with Ian Fairservice in the Psychologist Chair. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as host Jordan Kimmel is joined by national experts in the fields of accounting, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be recognized as doing the right thing by the American Trust Awards. Your host Jordan Kimmel is himself a trusted professional with years of experience in applying strategies and consulting with today's leading firms. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to In the Psychologist Chair with Dr. Raymond Hamden and his featured guests. We'd love to hear from you via email at info at inthepsychologistchair.info. That email address again is info at inthepsychologistchair.info. Now, back to Dr. Raymond Hamden. Well-known authors who have been royally crowned as sir, people who are generals, People who are royal photographers are some of the publications and publishers and writers at Motivate Publishing. In 2006, Motivate published My Vision, an autobiographical account of the development of Dubai by its ruler, His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, Vice President and Prime Minister of the United Arab Emirates. By 2009, Motivate published the first English-language volume of His Royal Highness, Poetry, and are currently working on a second volume. When we look at publications, when we look at lifestyle, we're seeing a lot more expatriates now, this is 2011, than when you first came in 1978. In the earlier segment, we were talking about the changes in rules that could happen overnight, and then what happened with that particular licensing situation where you had to stop the press because all the alcohol was not going to be sold for a period of time? Well, the um, the law had been introduced, or the law had been rescinded, therefore to ban alcohol in the in the in the, uh, in the country. But after a month, um, they again rescinded that. 
and they reintroduced it. But what they did was they reintroduced it in a much more controlled way. I think the reason that they stopped it in the first place was because it wasn't being properly controlled. So wherever you went, anywhere literally, on any street in Dubai, if you went into a small restaurant or cafe, you could get alcohol. And I think they just felt that they wanted to control it more. So they first of all closed it down completely. And then within a month, they they rescinded that restriction. But they said, no, but it's going to be controlled in five-star and four-star hotels. It's going to be, All of the establishments that serve alcohol have got to be specifically licensed to do so. And it's not going to include all of the small restaurants in the in the street, the everyday cafes and bars. So, so it was. So a lot of people went out of business. But I think they they realised early on that if they were going to have alcohol served here, they needed to have it in a much more controlled way. And mostly associated with the hotel industry. Mainly associated with the hotels that were opening. Because in the, although I came to only the second five star hotel in Dubai when I arrived in seventy eight, within the the next three years another 40 five-star hotels had opened. So we were having more than an average of one five-star hotel a month opening from 1978 until 1982. What is the count of the hotels right now in Dubai alone? Do you have an idea? No, well, of course, it runs into many hundreds, but I mean, uh, or more than that, probably over over a thousand. But in terms of five-star hotels, it's still very, very high number, several hundred. From all over the world. From all over the world. Most countries are represented with their hotels here. Absolutely. I mean, the newest hotel, the newest five-star hotel to be opening this year, which has not ever been in the Emirates before, is is the Waldorf Astoria. And the Waldorf Astoria group are opening a hotel in Russell Kamer. And I'm sure the IMF will not be having their conference there. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so what we're looking at then is a lot of industry here, hospitality industry, that you're very much aware of. And now that your publications are numbered more than 250, you're probably finding a lot of sponsors for these. And this is one of the things that makes you United Arab Emirates. And Dubai is especially quite unique. There's more than 750 publications, understand, and none of them are short for advertisers, for sponsors. Well, I think the, the situation as far as advertising is concerned has certainly gone through a sea change in the last three years. Up until the end of 2008, we had a hugely buoyant advertising market. Uh, But come January 2009, when the global recession suddenly hit uh, this part of the world, which seemed to have been um, uh, isolated from it up until then, uh, one of the first things that was very badly affected was advertising. So for 2009 and 2010, in fact, the advertising levels were a lot lower than they had been for many years. And a lot of publications closed down. There were about 400 magazines registered at Dubai Media City at the end of 2008, and more than half of those have closed down in the last two years. So so, so there was a big growth in publications, and then there was a big you know, a, a big balance, a levelling during the, the last two years. 2011 has seen um, a solid recovery, but still not to the levels of 2008. With your regular publications, the ones that come out monthly, bi-monthly, even weekly, what would be the benefit of an international organization advertising with you, even though they might not have any offices or branches located in Dubai, the United Arab Emirates, or even the region? It would be 
unusual for anybody that that uh, was a truly international company that that had appropriate products or services for them not to have some um, some reference point here, some either retail presence or wholesale presence, or uh, or, or that their services weren't available. Um, and for, for uh, and as far as I could. To answer that question, I would say for anybody who doesn't, then of course the thing to do would be to introduce themselves to the market through a business publication such as Golf Business, which is the uh, monthly uh, business magazine mm-hmm. that, that we produce, mm-hmm. um, or you know to introduce themselves somehow into the market if they were trying to find out if they had potential here. Um, so I you know that there would be there would be a benefit for people uh, in terms of creating a brand awareness. When you have to make decisions, being the head of a large organization, and the personalities of people in the writing industry may be somewhat different than a person who is an accountant or a surgeon, and this is not a criticism, it's only an observation, that personalities differ in different professions. Do you have the option of ever allowing your emotions to be part of a decision-making process or allowing your personal values to be part of making a decision? Or do you find yourself always having to compartmentalize your emotions to be fair and objective without those emotions? I think there's always a, a room, for, there's always room for emotion and there's certainly always room for personal values in the decision-making process. I, I don't make decisions without um, without them reflecting uh, on my own personal values. Some of the personal values that you brought with you from the Western world, would you say that you're probably more sympathetic to Middle East, the Arab world, than most people from your region of birth? Clearly my interest in the region um, might make me more, uh, more able to understand uh, people from this region. I've certainly, in the last 33 years, come to know uh, people from all over the Middle East and North Africa, um, you know, really quite well, and that's been a privilege. Um, there is a great deal of misunderstanding about people who live in this region, um, and that I said that is, you know, one of the uh, great opportunities that we have as publishers to producing books. Pro- predominantly about the heritage and culture um, of this part of the world is that through those publications, hopefully, people elsewhere are able to understand a little bit more and understand more objectively um, about the people who live in this part of the world. Even though you're younger than I am, we're still from about the same generation. Our generation was brought up with books, reading, writing, not even that many pictures in books back then. But today, things are mostly electronic. Is Motivate Publishing moving into an electronic kind of industry for publishing? And do you find that the younger generation are going to read those books to understand the Middle East as you're projecting that to the rest of the world? Well, first of all, there's more, there's more than one way to bring a book to people. Um, we, you know, we still have faith in the traditional publishing form, paper and, 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 and physical distribution of books. But at the same time, we have eight websites up and running uh, already, including uh, one called uh, lovestyle.com, 
Uh, and we say if you love style, you'll love lovestyle.com. And that is a fashion and style portal for women in uh, throughout the Middle East. Um, and it's uh, run by a completely different team to our Emirates Woman and Emirates Bride. There's a certain amount of... Um, cooperation and collaboration between them but we have a love style dedicated team who just bring that information to market in a different way it's brought electronically instead of being brought in the physical um, uh, presentation same goes for books we have um, our own online books uh, books um, retail if you like which is called booksarabia.com which operates the same as Amazon where people can go online to Books Arabia they can order any of our books and we will deliver them to them anywhere in the world in fact we just signed um, a world first uh, contract with FedEx recently whereby in future all of our books are going to be delivered by FedEx internationally um, free of charge well congratulations on that what about the books though what kind of readership do you have? Do you have a number that you can tell us that indicates how many people are actually reading today your physical hard copy? Yeah, I mean, uh, we we sell an average, and this is a you know just as a, as a, mm-hmm. a sort of very approximate guide, but we would sell an average book that we publish, and we publish about. 12 or more new books a year, we would publish the first print run would be around 6,000 copies. And we would expect them to sell in the first year. So you, you're therefore looking at probably between eighty and 100,000 copies of new books that we sell every year. But that's only the beginning because, of course, we're selling a huge number of our backlist um, of books that we've been pub- that we have published in previous years, and if we go back to one of the very first books we published, which is Dubai Gateway to the Gulf, um, that was published originally back in '86, as I say, 25 years ago. That book has been revised and updated around a dozen times in the 25 years. It has been translated into German, into French. It has been made into videos in the days of videos. Now it's available as DVD. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Women who are interested in making it a priority in their lives to have a strong financial foundation from which to live, listen up. You'll want to tune in to the My Money Place radio program, hosted by Susan Stalteri. You'll learn more about how to make, save, and spend money, as well as the mindset and personal growth topics designed to help you be a strong and independent financial decision maker. If money talk has always frightened you or just made you a little bit apprehensive, tune in to My Money Place, airing live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 
p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to In the Psychologist Chair with Dr. Raymond Hamden and his featured guests. We'd love to hear from you via email at info at inthepsychologistchair.info. That email address again is info at inthepsychologistchair.info. Now, back to Dr. Raymond Hamden. Our guest today, Ian Fairservice, the head of Motivate Publishing, is one of the founding members of the International Advertising Association, the UAE Chapter. He also holds office as vice president and president of many other organizations throughout the Middle East. What we find about his background is he is also a philanthropist. He's held the position of vice chairman of the Board of Governors for El Neural Training Center for Children and Special Needs. Before becoming the vice chairman in 1998, he served as the fundraising chairman for 15 years. He's also on the advisory board of one of the international schools in the community. He does have a personal life, and it's recreational, too. He plays golf, he loves going fishing, and he does write poetry. He's quite keen in his interest for food, as he is the chairman of the UAE chapter of the Worldwide Culinary Association. He's been a member of that for 20 years and served on the Association's World Board in Paris as well. He's also a member of the Board of Governors of one of Dubai's prestigious clubs and a fellow of the Royal Geographic Society. With all these credentials, all the things that you have time to do, and we're not going to even get into how you even have time to balance your life every day with work, family, recreation, spiritual development, or whatever else you do to balance your life. What is the mission that you have? What is your personal mission? What does Ian Fairservice say is your vision and mission for all these publications that you're so heavily invested in? Well, there's a lot of different questions there, um, Raymond, because I can't I can't say that um, that the mission and vision of my company um, is necessarily, you know, the the over the overriding mission or vision of of my life. Although the company is very important, I mean, but but dealing with the company, you know, our 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 vision there is to um, is to communicate effectively across all sorts of levels of medium, not just print. Although print is where we specialize, but now as we move into the digital age. Our mission is also is to move across those different platforms and communicate effectively with people all over the world, but about this region, 
And I mentioned earlier that people can uh, people can get hold of any of our books or any of our magazines by going to our um, online bookshop, which is booksarabia.com. And through Books Arabia, people can get hold of any of the publications that we have, which um, which will really give them an insight into the Middle East region. Um, so that's certainly from from a from a commercial standpoint, from a business standpoint, um, an overriding um, mission for us. Um, from a personal point of view, um, very traditionally family-focused. Janice and I have been married for 30 years. We've been blessed with four children um, who are pretty grown up now, ranging from 28 to 22 almost. Um, so there's a great deal of focus on the family. Um, and also our you know, brothers and, and, uh, and our parents. Um, seeing it's not just about our development now, it's about their development. Um, so that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a major focus for Janice and I. You've put a lot of years now into helping children with special needs, and we're talking about children who are not just slow learners, but some who are profoundly slow in learning and may not have any ever opportunities for education. And that's with the El Noor Center. Where was your interest in there? How did you get interested in that? I got interested in uh, Al Noor back in 1982. The center is also celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. It, was, it opened in November 1981. And a year later, I was invited by the then director to assist with some fundraising because they, were, they only had eight or ten children at the time. They just had one little villa. But because of the conflict between Iran and Iraq, uh, fundraising had dried up almost completely. And they were going to have to shut this school literally a year after it had opened. So I was approached by uh, Asha, the director of the school, and she said, Ian, could you get on board and help us raising some funds? And that's what I did. Um, I got involved. My, 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 you know, my wife got involved. We got our friends involved. And we took El Noor on as something of a, of a project. And we've seen the school develop from 1982 when we first got involved to now where – it's the largest special needs school in the region. We have 280 uh, children, ranging from around four years of age to 18. Some of them are profoundly challenged. Um, but there is always something for all of these um, children. There is always something that they can be taught, um, whether it's social skills um, or at a much more advanced level with real education and and our focus at Al Noor is as far as possible to uh, integrate our graduates at the age of 18 or sometimes a little bit older than that into the community. And to that end, we have um, a dedicated uh, job creation department, which just liaises with um, hotels and other industries around to find and place students out of Al Noor into the community. And that's what it's all about. It's, it's all about getting people to understand that there is a place in the community for everybody, irrespective of their abilities or their, uh, in, in this case, their disabilities. Well, you certainly live up to your name, Fair Service. And you give service very fairly to a lot of very dimensional kinds of aspects of life, whether it's your business, which is publications, and I'm wondering if you're ever going to go into the broadcast industry too, but also in helping the community. Does Motivate Publishing do in itself programs that are for the community? 
Yes, um, we're involved. Uh, we've been involved in a number of charities, mainly to do with children. I have to say, not just with Al Noor, but also with um, UK charities such as Sparks, which is a, uh, another charity for children. But that is a that is a research foundation that we support through um, regular sponsorship of um, of, of a golf tournament that's been going on now for the last 12 years and in the last 12 years over a million pounds that's nearly one and a half million US dollars has been raised through those golf days Um, and um, half of that money has gone to the research for children's disease in the UK and the other half has been divided between other special needs schools here Um, but we have yeah we have a a program of regular activities throughout the year and uh, I think it's something that our team also, uh, t- you know, take a great deal of pride and value in, in the fact that we are able to give something back. More and more we're seeing people from around the world becoming very interested in the Middle East, just as you did early in your life. Today is there an opportunity for young people, young writers, to engage in some of the publications? Do you have opportunities for them where they can actually have careers, internships? We have, we have interns with us all the time. There's, al- there's almost no time when we haven't got two or three interns working in, in the company. How can they get a hold of... Just by going to our website, motivatepublishing.com. There's a special section there which is all about opportunities and people can communicate with us through that. And we welcome people from all over the world who join our team every month. Give us also the website again for people who want to look at your publications. The books are available at booksarabia.com. That's Books Arabia, one word. Books Arabia, one word, dot com. And anybody who wants to contact us or who wants to see what opportunities there are at Motivate Publishing can just go straight to motivatepublishing.com. If anybody wants to know about the Middle East, the best place is to go to a publishing house. And the best one around is Motivate Publishing. And today, the top man of Motivate Publishing, Ian Fairservice, has agreed to be in the psychologist's chair. We'll see you next week. Thank you again for joining us this week for In the Psychologist's Chair. Please join Dr. Raymond Hamden for another edition next Tuesday at 9 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we speak again, hope you enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.